have a procedure bag. We, I have my med bag and I have my phone. I'm always able to be in touch with the doctor, but yeah, we have to make a lot of really critical decisions that are time sensitive and we have to trust our experience and judgment and trust our partner that we're doing the right call for these patients and it can be scary at times. All right, here we go, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the Nurse Tori Selfie Show. On this episode, I sat down with Samantha Manicero, ex-transport nurse, power lifter, nursing school professor, ex-NICU nurse with a 10-year resume that would make your head spin. We dive into pediatric emergency transport nursing, NICU nurse life, shifting into new roles as a nurse, mental health, powerlifting, and creating the life you love. For those of you straight shooters out there, you are going to love this one. We go all over here on this episode, you guys, to discuss the many facets of being a nurse and giving it straight up. For those of you new to the show, my name is Tori Meskin. I am a NICU and pediatric critical care nurse, a nurse practitioner student, blogger, and now podcaster. I created this platform to help make healthcare hip one selfie at a time. From providers and people of interest to brands, businesses, and even entrepreneurs, I am bringing you all the amazing things going on here in the healthcare space. Quarantine and COVID times. Things got real here in Los Angeles this week. Uh, I would say it's been pretty heavy for us in the hospital setting and a bit nerving for us as providers in the front lines all around the world. Uh, It's a little crazy to me to think that this pandemic is truly affecting people worldwide and also how quickly things can change. Um, But I'm sure for you guys at home, it feels like a bit of a lifetime being in quarantine, you know. Nails and hair growing out, eyebrows are turning to unibrows, Botox is quickly wearing off, tans are fading, and it's all bad. Not to mention, Jacob and I are also cooped up. We are social creatures, and this has been a hard time for us as well. But I promise you, those of us in the front lines are far more preoccupied with the safety of our patients, having enough PPE to protect ourselves, and not bringing this virus home with us. So you guys should see my my home routine. It's actually quite comical and maybe a time for another podcast. So we'll see maybe down the line. But I hope you guys are using this time as an opportunity, maybe a time to learn something new, uh, do something that you've been meaning to do for yourself and turn inward a little bit and grow. Um, I know for me, I've taken this time to step back and refocus a little bit, not to mention the fact that I've been trying to study all of my nurse practitioner funsies right now, and that's been a little difficult, to be honest. But every day I come home from the hospital, I feel like I get to take an extra minute to appreciate uh, Jacob and take a minute to pause and thank God for our health. I feel very lucky to have my health, and I also feel very lucky to be able to help people directly in this moment. Uh, And that's why today, actually, I really want to dedicate this episode to all of the frontline providers here with me. Um, The MDs, RNs, RTs, lab, radiology, emergency department, medical, ICU, EMS, janitors, security, the list goes on and on. But 
I really just want to take a minute to thank everyone who's fighting this thing. Um, and that's why this episode I felt like was very timely. Uh, I was actually going to wait to release this episode for about another month, but I just really feel like this one is a timely one and a, a good moment to release it. It's really heavily focused on emergency services and the things that it really, we dive into the background and what it takes to be a uh, an EMS provider, an emergency service provider. And on this episode, I sit down with Sam Manicero, a pediatric emergency transport nurse. She's an ex-NICU nurse, a nursing professor, power lifter, and also someone who I think has a story many of you can relate to. We dive into mental health. We get personal with real struggles and tackling life with true grit. So this is going to be a good one, you guys, and hopefully an hour to get your mind off the craze. So without further ado, let's dive in. So today sitting across from me is uh, none other (laughs) than the Miss Samantha Manacero. And you said my last name right. I did. AKA at Hey Samantha. With two A's. (laughs) With two A's. Samantha. This one's going to be a fun one, you guys. Um, So this is Samantha. For those of you who have been uh, with us for our journey, um, Samantha's one of my good friends. We've known each other for how many years? How long have you been a nurse? Fuck, eight eight years? I don't know. Okay, that's how long. Long time. Yeah. Um, So Samantha is the salty to my sweet, the peanut butter to my jelly. Uh, She is the straight to, or the sassy to my straight, if you will. You're amazing. For like the sour punch... Kids. Sour punch kids. Yeah. I'm sweet. I'm sour. I know. So there's many reasons I want to bring Sam on today. Um, first of all, we've been, this has been in the works for a long time. Uh, we had an idea of doing a podcast a long time ago. Like a year ago. A year ago. When we first started our collab company. Um, Sam's a fellow NICU nurse turned transport flight nurse. She is a fellow entrepreneur. She is now a power lifter, a night shift nurse, and sassy life coach. She just launched a power lifting program, and she's also my collab partner on a company bringing you some fun new nurse products. Without further ado, let's welcome Miss Sam, Man- Sam Manicero to the Selfie Podcast well, Show. Thank you for but, having me. I'm so excited for you. Your name is a mouthful. You realize that, right? Samantha Manicero. Yeah, it's it a is. Lot. It's a lot like you. Most people can't handle it. <laughs> or me. But yeah, I'm so excited to be here. All this right, is well, fun. Let's, let's get into this. All right, let's this do it. Fun. For people who really don't know you, I really want to start with uh, a little bit about your background and sort of where a lot of this stemmed from. Like, tell us a little bit about your background as a nurse, where this started, where you're from, all that fun stuff. So born and raised here in SoCal, living mm-hmm. the dream, it's warm weather. Um, I have been a nurse for eight years, just kind of on a whim. I wasn't like a psych major. I like people. I like interacting with people. But then I was like, I like gross medical stuff. <laughs> perfect. Perfect combo. So, Yay. But then while I was in nursing school, I was a CNA for adults, which literally gave me PTSD. Um, adults are gross and I was like I can't I don't I don't think I can be a nurse if Mm -hmm. I have to work with adults and then I realized that the NICU was the thing that the NICU existed and I was like oh I'm refreshed again so started as a new grad in the NICU that's where I met Tori yeah uh great time great experience so I was actually like full-time NICU and then also working a per diem job in a NICU for seven years and then 
you know, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Life yeah. changes, things happen, a lot going on. And I was like, it's time to, time to keep it moving, time to learn something new, time to challenge myself, branch out. And then I joined the emergency transport team yeah. where I work. So flight nursing, we do ground transport too, yeah. critical care, but on, on the road. So let's back up really quick. Did you always know you wanted to be a nurse? Was that something that no, you always knew? No. Um, I didn't even really know what nurses do. Like, growing up, it's not like I come from this long line of, like, nursing Me family. Either. My aunt was a yeah. nurse, but she's L&D. And so I feel like delivering babies is, like, a whole specialty area in itself. Right. So it's not like, it oh, sick people. It's, um, yay, healthy, happy people, hopefully having healthy, happy babies. So it's a different world. I never really even kind of got what a nurse's role was because I didn't grow up with like family being sick or being in hospitals or anything like that so I was really not very knowledgeable about the field and then my friend's older sister was a nurse and I was like dang she like has a pretty awesome schedule she always has money to buy us food yeah it's crazy (laughs) and she's like 23 or whatever like (laughs) I was like 21 at the time I'm like what am I doing I don't know that I want to be a psych major and then I was like I can watch pimple popping like pus videos all day (sighs) every day and I was like I love gross medical stuff and then I was like why not try nursing yeah and then here I am eight years later so we'll back up to to how Sam and I kind of started so we started I met Sam when I first was a new grad and then back on night shift back on night shift together we worked full-time nights for several years until I tapped out and I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Wise decision. Oh, Get God. off night shift, people. Um, so let's talk about maybe we'll dive into this really quick because I just think it's something that a lot of people ask about. How do you survive on nights? You don't. <laughs> you just... just do the best you can. Honestly, it's not normal yeah, or healthy. Not. Um, <clears throat> definitely is taking like what a decade off my life or something. Yeah. And I've been on night shift for nine years because I was a CNA on night shift too. It's it's different for everyone. And I've done like some posts about it and I get asked all the time how I manage like working out because I work out six times a week and right. manage staying on like my meal prep plan stuff mm-hmm. and then just friends, family, like significant others, that sort of thing. It's a juggling act. Um, you basically, if you're not organized, night shift will like eat you alive. I agree. If you don't prioritize your time, if you don't plan it out, if mm-hmm. like I have to be kind of a little bit more regimented than I would like. Yeah. Um, as much as I'm like an OCD ICU nurse, I'm also a little bit of a free spirit. Yeah. And so I know that like I have to wake up by 2.30 p.m. if I want to get to night shift, work out, get to night shift on time. And have um, food. And have food and yeah. do all these things. I, it's like, when am I going to do laundry? When am I going to meal prep? It's a lot to juggle. I don't think there's a right or wrong for anyone. Some people just flat out aren't meant for night shift. Yeah, and their body like attacks themselves and they get depressed. They yeah. suffer GI symptoms. They like gain weight. They lose weight. They whatever. They don't feel well. And some people just really are not meant for night shift. And I urge you to like get off. The people like me that can handle it, It's you got to figure out... What, what works. works blackout curtains right um optimal sleep conditions a routine of sorts a routine yeah. so yeah i would say i mean it's funny because when i first started i think it was the thrill of nursing and i didn't care if i was on day shift or night shift i was just like you're lucky to have it. a job and especially if it's that, in a specialty you really want to be in yeah too. and on top of that like we had a, such a fun crew oh of my people. gosh like night shift days oh, i miss it there is nothing like a good night shift crew nothing like <sighs> It's so much fun. 
those were some of like my best memories yeah, as a too. nurse, hands down. Yeah. But now it's like everyone has either left to different departments, units, jobs, different hospitals, or has gone to day shift. And right. I was kind of one of like the last man standing on nights out of our old crew. Yeah. You and a couple other of our friends, that's it. But we, so something that you guys have probably gathered by Sam already is she's this like crazy overachiever. I think that we very much vibe on that together. When we first started together, she was sort of one of the lead uh, NICU small baby nurses. And I want to tap into that a little bit and talk about NICU specifically and then you branching into your new role. So can you talk a little bit about being a NICU nurse what happened a little bit of what was going through your brain and you were so invested. I loved being a NICU nurse. Yeah. Um, this past summer I went to like a four-year-old's birthday party of a former patient who I love and I got to see like there was like five other yeah. four-year-olds there that were all in the NICU at the same time. All the families bonded and stayed friends. I'm still friends with another little group. I saw them in April and they're all like five years old and yeah. it's so cool to get Christmas cards from these families and know like yes. I took care of you when you were one pound. Like one grams. pound. You were 375 grams. Yes. Or whatever. You were the tiniest of the tiny things and you kicked my butt yeah. night after night after night. And I just loved building that relationship with the families and knowing that they trusted me to be there when they couldn't because being night shift, yeah. you can't sleep at the hospital for four months straight. Right. Um. So knowing that they just trusted me. And then on top of that, I was just fascinated with the medical aspect of behind of how far we've come yeah. in the NICU like back in the day before we were NICU nurses that like age of like 27 weeks was kind of the cutoff for yeah. survival mm -hmm. gestationally and now we're like 23 weeks 22 weeks yeah. we're doing like these amazing things technology and, equipment yeah research. it's crazy very what cool. we can do and then it's not even that okay we're able to like keep them alive it's like we're able to keep them alive and grow and, and thrive. thrive and yeah. actually do really well mm -hmm. and so um I was always like inspired by that and I always want to I'm like you know ASB in high school like I'm just that type of person so I'm always like well how can we improve what can we do better so join all the committees do yeah. all the things mm -hmm. um became a clin four nurse climbed right. the ladder did all the extras, wrote all the policies. Yeah. I was really like invested into just the research behind it. I did, um, when I got my master's degree, my project was NICU based about drawing labs from the umbilical cord. Yeah, and I was, I micro was, I got to reap the benefits of that because here was Sam trying to make this huge implement, you know, this new practice change. And it was so cool because you're just one of those people that vibe really strong, um, you know, go-getter, you know, aspirations. And it was fun to work with you and kind of see like everything you were doing. And then to not only that, but help you try and get that implemented. Well, the cool thing about that was then I did like a poster project on it and presented it at the um, National Association of Neonatal Nurses Conference. That was in Palm Springs. Um, that was in Palm Springs a few yeah. years back. So yeah. it was cool just to have that poster and like yeah. be able to kind of moment. showcase your work. So yeah, yeah I was <clears throat> super invested and I loved my time as a NICU nurse. I was definitely you a great invested. start into nursing and I was excited to be there and it was a good time in my life yeah it was so you know and I think this is the one thing also we've talked a little bit about this I think you and I go very hard on things very hard yes. and then you hit sort of and then a we crash wall very hard. and then you crash very hard and I think we both went us through a similar 
experience with our um, with our journey. My journey was a little bit different in the sense of I left after three and a half years at our first. I remember begging you not to leave. Yeah, but you were also you. the person that I will it's say like, you do what supported you gotta do. Me. Yeah, oh, for you, sure. You were one of those nurses that were like, you know, Tori, like selfishly, I didn't want you to leave. Right. And I left and I did a little bit of travel nursing. I, we ended up back together at our, all our hospital together. But ultimately, you were one of those really supportive people. And I think something I want to talk about is transitioning out of the NICU. Because NICU is very niche. Yes. Very niche. It's, it's like its own little world. I was kind of worried I would never actually be able to break out of it. Because once you have your experience in that, it's kind of like, You're, yes. how do you do something else? One, I'm afraid of anything that can walk or talk or have teeth or (laughs) anything that weighs over five pounds is like, oh my gosh. Yes. So I I was always, I hated floating. Me too. I I was a NICU nurse, hated it. I, if you told me I was going to the PEDS ICU or even just the PEDS med surge floor, I was like. Cringe. We don't cringe. cry, don't cry at work, you're at work, suck it up, be a big girl. Well, and the but reason to, to give you guys all a little perspective on this is you are literally having to shift your brain from heart rates of 100 to 200 to vital signs that are like so different. Like I'm like, should I start compressions? Oh no, a heart rate of 60 is cool. It's normal. That's fine. Yeah. Blood pressures, heart rates, saturations, um, what are your thresholds, medications, plans of care, all completely different. The math is different. Yeah. There's a big difference between 48 kilos and 4.8 kilos. Yeah. Yeah. Or 0.48 kilos because I've taken care of babies that are 480 grams. Grams. When you are giving weight in grams, you know you're in the NICU. Yes. Um, So Sam branched into transport. How did that happen for you? Honestly, so that we talk about NICU being very specialized. Um. Being on an emergency transport team is a very, very small little yes. world. Um, not every hospital even has their own transport team. And if they do, it's usually really small. Yeah. So I'm lucky to be at a facility that has a really big, not big, comparatively right. to uh, the, the nation. It's a pretty big transport program. We do a lot of high volume of calls. We're very, 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 very busy, but it's still a very small team. There's only about seven nurses on night shift and like seven on day shift. Okay. Uh, they've all been on this team longer than I've been a nurse. Right. Some of them are have been nurses almost as long as I've been alive. Right. So. The experience um, is very like. And heavy. then again, I have NICU experience. So we do NICU transports, but we also do all of PEDS and PEDS ICU and CVICU and I was like, I'm interested. I know I need a change. I'm at this spot in my life where I need a change. This is something I'm interested in, but how do you get into a specialty that you have no experience in? Exactly. Um, and I get asked that a lot. Like, well, I want to be a flight nurse. Like, how do I get to do it? I'm like, no one's just going to walk up and be like, hey, would you like this job? Yeah. That doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, there wasn't even a position available. It wasn't like, oh, I saw them posted on internal careers <laughs> and know that I'm like, yeah would need some extra training, but I'm just going to like, you know, long shot, Hail Mary, go for it. That didn't even happen either. I literally got the manager's email, wrote her an email, introduced myself, said, hi, I'm Samantha. I've been a nurse here in the NICU for seven years. This is my experience. This is my educational background. This is like the other things I've done. I've attached my resume. I really want to join your team. I'd love to come meet with you. Yeah. Got an email back, went in the office, sat down, talked about transport. We had a good 
conversation. She mm-hmm. invited me back for an interview with the team. I've been on the team for a year. Yeah, it's amazing. Kind of, no one's gonna just hand you things in life. Well, I think that's another thing to be said. For it's a little bit of situational, like time, right time, right place, right people. But I do think it's also a big part of landing the jobs that you want or finding those positions. You really have to go for. You have it. to create your own opportunities. Yes. Yeah, and you just really have to think outside the box a little bit, reach out, do that extra leg work to land those Because jobs. I did have to do cross-training for the peds ICU because yeah. that's not my and get out comfort, of your comfort zone, zone at all. So I had to go do shifts up in the peds ICU on the floor and then obviously train in all the things, transport. But they were willing to train me because I had the NICU experience and we do do NICU transports. So they were excited to have someone with an extensive NICU background be part of their team. But they were willing to train me on the PED side and to take me on as a new transport nurse because they knew I wanted it. They're a lot more willing, like, oh, you're motivated. You contacted us. You reached out to us. Like, you want this. Right. For people who are listening, let's back up a little bit maybe and explain. Can you give a good, like, sum up or, like, um, like, a sum up of a transport nurse? What exactly do you do? Oh, you do not know how your night's going to be. I mean, you kind of know when you're doing bedside nursing, you get in, you get report. You round on all your patients, you assess them, you pass meds, you go through your orders. Maybe you have labs to draw. Maybe your patient's actually a little more critical and you've got some emergent things you need to do at the bedside, whether it's like put in some new lines or hang some new drips or maybe your patient needs to get intubated. So you have some like critical procedures. Oh, I got to hang blood, do whatever. But then it's kind of routine care throughout the night and that you can kind of look out and schedule and plan and prioritize, I need to do what? I walk in to our office and I, one, walk in going, I hope there's no call pending. Because sometimes I walk in the door and they're like, hand me a paper and they're like, this patient is waiting at this hospital, mm-hmm. go. And I'm like, run, run and get my med back and we're out the door because right. they're waiting on us and it's time sensitive. Um, sometimes I walk in and it's like, all right, we're... We never know how the night's going to go. Um, right now we're in flu season. We are off the charts busy. Yeah. Everyone has the flu. Everyone has RSV. Everyone has pneumonia. This year came really late. 2019, 2020 came very late. Always. Like last year, February, March was our busiest. And again, this yeah. year, I think February is going to be out Another of control one. because right now we're just starting to really see the peak volumes. But yeah. um, so right now we're busy, busy. So it's kind of just running calls all night. And you don't know what it's going to be. It can be... Um, like you're kind of waiting by the phones and the calls come in, you call and get report on them and then you're out the door. If they're like super local, cause some, like we're in a dense area in Southern California. There's 900 hospitals between San Diego and LA. Yes. Literally like 900. Right. So we're, um, if they're local, like close, we take ground. If it's either super time sensitive because of acuity will fly or if it's out of county because I do transports all the way down to San Diego, all the way up past L.A., all the way out through, you know, the Inland Empire desert, like high desert area, like practically. I mean, we've flown to Vegas. I've taken a fixed wing to San Francisco. Like we we're out there mm-hmm. um, far. So we're either flying or driving and. You don't know. It could be a stable kid that's coming to the med surge floor. They could be coming for just a second opinion, for consults, for evals, that sort of thing. Or it can be a really critical NICU, PICU, ICU call where we are true emergency transport on all the drips. Um, 
our respiratory therapists, we run in a team of one nurse, one respiratory therapist. That's it. That's what goes on the calls. If it's a super critical call, we bring a doctor. Otherwise, it's just myself and a respiratory therapist. If we go by ground, we have an EMT. If we fly, then it's truly just myself and a respiratory therapist. Um, my RTs can intubate. So we've had to do that on the scene before where the RTs have to intubate. Um, and just so you guys know for perspective too, that's a very scary thought uh, as a nurse to be in a situation where you... You don't have any support. Help. You don't have any help. <laughs> it's very scary. And I mean, we get in code-like situations. Yeah. We get in critical... And you just have to be able to make Situations. I'm just me in my med bag. Mm-hmm. And I've... <laughs> that's yeah. what I got. We have a procedure bag. We I have my med bag. And I have my phone. I'm always able to be in touch with the doctor. But yeah, we have to make a lot of really critical decisions that are time-sensitive. And we have to trust our experience and judgment and trust our partner that we're doing the right call for these patients and it's definitely what's it like <laughs> can be scary at times i've been in some oh. situations that have stressed me out yeah they definitely they get your adrenaline going <laughs> yes, a little bit pumping uh this is kind of a timely question for you but uh what is it like being a flight nurse like what's that like <sighs> okay i'm not even gonna lie you guys i'm a little shook today because yeah this is coming out so this is old news now by this the time you're news. listening to this because yeah. we are This will recording. be out a couple months after we've recorded um, but this. But unfortunately, yeah. on my way here to this, we found out that Mr. Mr. Bryant, Kobe, yeah, Kobe my, my black mamba, yeah, I'm a Lakers fan, SoCal girl, Lakers yeah. fan. I love him. Um, yeah. He passed in a helicopter crash today yeah. with his daughter. Um, as someone who flies in a helicopter... Daily. multiple times a week for work mm-hmm. that has me like a little stressed Jilted. a little yeah a little shook but my pilots they all have families mm-hmm. to go home to they all have kids they are so safe I trust them with my life I'm a terrible driver I trust my <laughs> pilots I would agree with that it's so bad <laughs> my driving is atrocious unreal. um I trust my pilots with my life and to take me up in the air and get me and our patients and my team members mm-hmm. back safely more than I trust myself driving here like yeah. <laughs> um but there's so many and I'm interested by the time this comes out we'll probably know exactly more of the details of what happened in that crash and yeah. there's so many things with like mechanical type issues. malfunctions and issues via and then weather and all these variables but mm-hmm. we're um very safe about we decline based on like weight because we have so much medical equipment on board too the isolettes we use to transport NICU babies weigh like hundreds of pounds and stuff. And then, so it's like we factor in like weight, weather, all these like conditions and everything. And so we'll decline flights sometimes for interesting anything. And at any time you can like also just say, I don't feel right about this flight. I don't feel safe and decline it and say, we're going to go by ground. But Honestly, it's the coolest thing ever. I know. I, was gonna say um, I, I cannot be tamed inside a hospital again. I'll never work bedside. I think it's a very... Funny. Ever, ever again. I actually quit yeah. my per diem NICU nurse job after about six months of transport because I was like, I got to get out. Yeah. I need fresh air. I need to... It's so cool though. I get to go to all these hospitals all over. And see other... And see other yeah. EDs, other 
um, things, which is cool because yeah. now I like finally get to see all the firemen. So you'll AF over here. Yes, <laughs> it's great. So I'm if like, you're listening oh, out there, potential hello. future husband. Hello there, firemen. At hey, so we Samantha. never see firemen in the NICU. Yeah. So yes. that's okay. Been that's a... another thing is uh, NICU is very heavily women based. Yeah, and my every... team is like half guys now because it's a lot of um, yeah. a lot of my. Respiratory therapists are male. The pilots, yeah. all our pilots are male. Um, it's cool. But yeah, getting to fly around is super cool. The novelty's kind of worn off because when I first was, I was like, oh, I want to look around. Oh, there's like yeah. these cool sites. You get to see like, oh, right. the Hollywood sign over here or like this building here. Oh, flying to Catalina. There's the ocean. Um, all this cool stuff. Now I'm just like, I don't have, I don't care what's going on out there. Like yeah. I've got Focus. a job to do in here and I'm like too busy. Yeah. Um, and sometimes... Like, on the way there, you'd think, like, oh, I get to see, like, cool stuff. But it's, like, it's oh, no, I'm too busy, like, priming my drips and getting stuff ready because I know that when I get there, like, I got to have all this stuff. So, I, um, I actually like to get to go refuel with the pilots because I get free cookies at the airport and, like, popcorn and coffee. And then it's, oh, like, see, there's no patient that. on board. So, you, that's cool. So, you guys, is this an airplane? Like, the airport, I didn't even think about that. Like, that's an aspect of your job. Like, well, so the pilots have to refuel, especially after like long calls. And if we don't have anything pending, we can sometimes go with them yeah. to the airport to like refuel, which is cool. Right. What do you think is a good uh, quality of a transport nurse? Like what's your, what do so you think? So it is a very fine balance between you have to have a strong personality. Yeah. I obviously do. <laughs> um, but it's a fine line between too strong. Yeah. And I always have flirted with that line. <laughs> always. That is definitely what <laughs> And I think like seven years in the NICU, though, yeah. has kind of taught me where that line is yeah. and where to draw it and where to pick my battles on and what to make a big deal out of and what to let go right. and get over. Um, so you have to have a strong enough personality that you can say, I think we need this med or I think we need to do this thing and call back the doctor and be like, this mm-hmm. is what's going on. This is yeah. what I'm seeing. This is what we need to do. And here's why. Yeah. And stand by your decisions. Um, we have to answer to everything. Our paperwork gets looked over with like a fine tooth comb. We have to go to like, there's some meetings every other month where we review like some of the higher profile cases. And you'll have a full panel of doctors going through your paperwork and charting and being like, well, why'd you do this? Why didn't you do this? Why'd you do that? And you got to be able to justify every single action you did out there on that call. Wow. And we don't always, sometimes on ICU calls, we don't even have a doctor. Um, so you got to be able to be strong enough and then you have to, you have to be able to think quick. You can't panic in an emergency. You have to be able to kind of jump into action and you have to be confident, but not overconfident because I, I rely on my RT so much and I love to be able to bounce things off of them and be like, and I feel like we work really well in tandem together because they know a lot more besides just respiratory Mm -hmm. and so it's like we can very much bounce each other off like hey this is my blood pressure what are you thinking what are you thinking and be able to talk about it and you have to be able to like take their considerations too into play because they're very much Mm -hmm. the same level as the team as you and so you have to be able to be confident and be like I think that this is what's best but then be able to utilize your resources or ask for help when you don't know. I've had to call back to other nurses at the office and be like, hey, I'm on this call. This is my lab, like, because we'll get gases in route or like, this is what's going on. This is my blood pressure. This is what I'm seeing. Like, what would you do? 
um, and be able to call back for help. Know what you don't know right. and know when to ask for help, but you need to be confident and you just need to have the um, the knowledge. Like I am picking up anything and everything that walks through the door. So I'm not just specialized to NICU. I am pediatric or anything. Medical, surgical, neuro, cardiac, peds ICU, NICU. I have to know all the things. And so you need something, you need to know your stuff. Something else I will say too, which is I think we kind of forget this, is you know we're such a heavily focused team, and pediatrics in general, when you're talking, for the most part, is very heavily respiratory. And so I think leaning on our respiratory therapists is ginormous. I'm spoiled. I work. Yeah, with, we are. We work spoiled. with phenomenal RTs. We do, and I I I attribute a lot of things that I have learned in my care to mm-hmm. my respiratory therapists because they have taught me probably more than. Yeah, even when I was a NICU nurse, I learned developmental care from an RT. Uh, Me too. (laughs) Probably the same one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, So for for, uh, future providers out there who are looking to get into the transport world. You need ICU experience. Okay, there you go. Hands down. Um, ER experience counts, but you need to be at like a very high level... Okay. like one so, trauma type ER where we're you're talk. used to putting in chest tube because like even on transport like I could do a needle thoracentesis god I don't want to yeah I hate talking about things sometimes because I'll talk about something um like you know I teach I teach peds lecture I think we're getting into that later but like I'll be lecturing on something and then I go to work the next week and then it like happens and I'm yeah, like yeah you're like wow oh I just talked about this. this and now this is happening so now so that I just said from, needle thoracentesis, I like don't even want to go to work next week. Right. Because well, and then some I'm of it is myself. Like, but yeah, so we can do a lot of like these. We're advanced scope nurses um, yeah. and respiratory therapists. Being able to intubate, being able to, I can place umbilical lines. We can do needle thoracentesis. Mm-hmm. We are advanced scope mm-hmm. practice nurses on our transport team just because the of how much of autonomy we have out there by ourselves that we have to be able to do these things. Um. So if experience wise, you need to be in an ER where you're comfortable doing chest tubes, so intubating, places I would all those say things. Like, but otherwise, know, ICU experience, you right. at least minimum need five years. Bare minimum. I feel like the Bare big places minimum. that I would be looking if you're thinking about this line of work, university hospitals, yes. children's hospitals, trauma one, yes. trauma two. Yes. Um, those are places that I would say you really need to focus on for experience if this is something you want to go into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you need to get your hands dirty there too. Like yeah. you need to jump in and take the sick patients the sick and get, get really comfortable to... with critical situations. You yeah. need to have drips, codes. Get, yeah, you need to know how to run pressors, a code. Um, yep, get familiar with your chest tubes, with your all of your your intubation, your process, your okay volumes, understanding the respiratory and cardiac. You know, yeah. there's a lot of things you really have to be able to think about dynamically. Critical thinking. Yes. It's, think on your it's a lot. Yeah. It's not for everyone. Right. It's definitely, I would say. It's not for everyone. Is there a common myth you l- would like to debunk about this, about either transport nursing or nursing in general? For transport specifically, people are like, oh, you guys don't do anything. Slow night. I'm like, yes, sometimes <laughs> I'm getting food and I'm watching Netflix because we have no calls. But some nights I'm getting off work. I started at 7, 6 p.m., and I got done at noon. Right. Because it was that critical. Um, 
So when we work, we really work. And there's other nights where I have take five calls in one night. Yeah. And each call takes like about an hour and a half minimum, yeah. at least if that's really close by, but sometimes two or more hours. And it's like out the door, turn around, drop off your paperwork, grab new paperwork. Yeah. Out the door, back and forth. You don't have time to eat. You don't have time to go to the bathroom. Like when we're working... We're working hard, but sometimes there is downtime. But I would say that But for we any earn unit. it and we deserve so it's it. any unit. Yeah. I mean, there's some moments where you're like. Well, even the whole thing, what was that like last year where it's like, oh, nurses sit around and play cards. <laughs> oh, God. I have. I have played Uno at work. We <laughs> but guess We've what? We all played Candy When we work hard, we work hard. Point. Like, there yeah. is going to always be some downtime yeah. in nursing. Like, I've, yes. you know. Which been thank on the computer, God, like I'm sorry if you Amazon are... shopping on Amazon. Yeah. But it's like when I do my job, I do it very well, yeah. and I do it a hundred percent. But there is some downtime. Always, patient first. always, always, patient always. First. Yeah. but there's some downtime, and yeah. we deserve it. Yep. Don't act like you're not sitting in your office, like yeah. looking at memes. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as you guys know, Sam is uh, giving it hundred percent. She's always giving hundred percent, and something that there's you know there's no sugar here. So um, I want to talk about something that you and I very oh. strongly oh. feel about, and yes. uh, I want to go with there. Nurse burnout. All right, before we dive into that, I want to bring you a timely PSA in support of frontline providers facing the COVID virus. Those of you who've been following on Insta know I've been here trying to provide you resources, accurate information from the front lines, and the realness that we are facing. I am also a big believer in empowerment and giving you the things to not only learn, but help. One of the biggest issues we have been facing is the lack of PPE personal protective equipment. We cannot protect our patients if we cannot protect ourselves. If you are looking to help in some small way, please head over to Brave Gowns on Instagram at Brave Gowns, B-R-A-V-E-G-O-W-N-S. This company has shifted their company from creating gowns for pediatric oncology patients to exclusive masks for providers. If you are able, please head over to sponsor a mask. And for providers, if you are looking for a mask or an N95 cover, please head over to at Brave Gowns. Number two, please consider donating blood or blood product. There's a severe shortage and this is truly something we cannot do without you. The American Red Cross has pulled all of their mobile donation centers. They're trying to be as COVID conscious as possible. Just this week, Jacob and I gave blood and blood product. They are observing the six feet social distancing rules, only allotting a certain amount of people per day, per hour no walk-ins. So please head over to book your appointment at www.redcrossblood.org to donate. Last one I want to let you all know about. Many of you know I am a Barco Uniforms Masseter. This is the only brand I have worn throughout my nursing career. Barco Scrubs has been curating scrubs since 1929, a 91-year company, and I wanted to let you guys know about this. Barco Uniforms will be donating 10,000 scrubs each month to healthcare teams during the duration of this pandemic. So if you are a part of a hospital, clinic, an emergency services department, or trying to help or make a difference in some small way, or you know someone who is in the front lines also in this situation, please fill out the form and gift these scrubs. Head over to www.barcouniforms.com. It is the first thing that pops up on their website. 
Thank you, Barco Uniforms, for your paid partnership and helping me to produce this show. I will link all three companies in the show notes, including Brave Gowns, the American Red Cross, and Barco Uniforms below. Without further ado, let's head back to the show. Uh, it's real. It's a real fuck. It exists. I tell my students all the time, like, yeah. don't go in so gung-ho. They're going to see you, and they're going to see that you're eager and that you want to be there. And they're like, perfect. So they're going to ask you to join their committee and their council. And they're going to ask you to do this project. And they're going to ask you to be this um, trainer or auditor or do these extras and be like, yes, let's get on the clinical ladder and do those things. Yes, it is. It's great. It's a balance. But you got to find your balance Mm -hmm. first. And I had no balance. I was work, 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 work. All the things while I was at work, I was doing overtime because I could not say no to an overtime shift. I would do so much overtime. Um, I ran myself into the ground hard. And it's hard because at the end of the day, I think, you know, when you give so much of yourself, you want to be appreciated for it and you want to feel like it matters. And it's not to say that people don't appreciate it, but they're also busy and have stuff going on and they're not necessarily going to show you that appreciation. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't, but you're going to sometimes not always feel appreciated and you gave so much of yourself and you worked so hard. So something that And it doesn't feel like it was like for what? Right. So I actually like, I dropped down, I was on the clinical ladder and you get like little raises when you do that. And I was a four and I dropped down to a two and I took a 6% pay cut because I said no more. Right. Like I need a better balance in my personal life. And my personal life was been a wreck for like we'll a solid two years now. <laughs> We're going there. It's great. But like I think learning to like put myself first yeah. and my personal life first before work. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm not a good nurse. It doesn't mean I don't care about my patients. I care hard about my patients. Yeah. I get off a shift and I like sometimes can't sleep because I'm worried about what happened to that patient or how they're doing and all that. And I like, I care so much, but I've kind of had to learn to separate and be like, no, I need to put myself first because I can't even be good nurse for my patient if I'm not good to myself. And I can't be a good daughter, sister, friend, significant other what have you unless I'm good to myself first I would say a big shift in our healthcare is uh, uh, which makes it a little bit different than it was let's say in the 90s 80s is um, this shift in the focus on patient outcomes becoming no, magnet certified yes outcomes matter satisfaction we've gotten way off the grid on like I'm sorry that you didn't get your warm blankie fast yeah, enough it's becoming... but I was trying to keep your blood pressure from bottoming out and dying right and so I think <laughs> it's this thing where now with the implement with implementing magnet certified hospitals and things like that they're expecting more and more and more from the nursing and from respiratory and from every from every angle of healthcare everyone's getting mm-hmm. pushed for more and so I think it's becoming this place of we're pushing people to have this burnout. And I think it's this balance of putting in your time, earning your stripes, but also really paying attention to you what to you need. You don't yes to everything, too. Correct. You can do a project here and there. Yes. But you don't have to do all, all of, of them. Yes. You've got to find the balance. 100%. Like, I feel like the, I very strongly feel that we're, you know, healthcare is a business. It's, it's a business. And these... once you develop like a little chip on your shoulder, mm-hmm. though, too, from mm-hmm. that, it's really hard to shake. Yes. I think so, too. 
Um, and you know your coworkers that have them, and you see them, and you're yeah. like, oh. Since we're on not this like that. <laughs> topic, you went back. We're going to almost switch it up a little bit here, but okay. um, you got your master's. Yes. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this because this is a big topic. I get the question all the time of, you know, when do you think it's appropriate to go back for your master's? When do you think is ready? Listen Nursing here, baby very... nurses, get some experience under your belt. Yep. It doesn't have to be five years or whatever. I went back after three years. But I feel like you shouldn't do anything but actually be a nurse for the first couple years. Yeah. Because the first year, you are barely, you're treading water. You're trying to keep your head above. You're trying to not drown. You're barely learning it. The second year, you're like comfortable and you're like, I, I kind of got this. Yeah. kind of know my stuff. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's like, oh, maybe I can like pursue other things and start to take on more stuff, go back to school, do sort of that. But I feel like you need a couple years I think also, under your belt. So Sam knew also you went, your special or your master's in, in education. No, leadership. Leadership. So you knew to some degree. I knew I wanted to do education. Right. But where I went to school, I went to like a brick and mortar school, um, one of the Cal State universities in Southern California. Yeah. And they don't really have online programs, but I work full time, night shift. I I can't not do an online program. So the one online specialty they had was leadership. Okay. Their education program was on campus. And I'm like, ain't nobody yeah, got time for that. Right. So I chose leadership. Knowing that education is a very high demand area. They need educators. You just need to have your master's to go into education. You don't necessarily need it to be in education. Right. So leadership sounds good on paper. Right. It's well-rounded. And I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I'm like... If I wanted to go into the management world, I don't. Um, Clearly, my mouth is not suitable for that (laughs) environment. She'd get in trouble. (laughs) But Um. education, I could still do with a leadership degree. And it's just, leadership is very broad. So there's a lot of different opportunities for it, whether it's even like outside of the hospital setting, even outside of education. There's so many other healthcare companies and stuff too. So leadership in general was a good choice I also think maybe understanding the dynamic of um, a master's degree and or even practitioner degree so the difference I would say between medical PA and all these things is you know nursing is really the foundation there's two different models in healthcare right so there's medical model and then there's a nursing model and nursing when you're looking to become an advanced practitioner or advance your degree, you really should have the foundation of nursing model as Absolutely. a nurse first. Yeah. That's really the importance. And that, I mean, that's just the basic 101. If you guys, you know, if you even have a question of, you know, what is a nurse practitioner do or what do they do, become a nurse first. Well, I feel like a master's degree is building upon what you already have established. So you need to establish something. Yeah. So figure out what you, the other thing too, I think is really Plus, understanding I don't think what you really you know want. what you want to do. Until yes. you work a little bit. Yeah. Because I thought when I started NICU that I was going to live and die in the NICU, that I was going to be a NICU nurse for 30 years and retire in the NICU. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I'll never work in the NICU again as long as I live. Yeah. It's just... I loved it. Yeah. But I will never do it again. There's a time and a place. And I think there's also different chapters in people's lives. You know, you're in a very different chapter than you were nine years ago. Yeah. And so I think that's a lot to be said for that. But Speaking I think get which, some experience and figure out what you like. and. Right. Some people realize, like, they don't really want to be in a hospital. Some people realize that they do want to go back for their NP, but, like, in acute care, so they actually can work in a hospital and not in, like, an outpatient primary care setting. Um, You might realize that you do want to be more research-based or education-based or leadership-based. 
get some experience and figure out what you like. Yeah. So what I loved about um, Sam's, you know, your journey with me in this, because she definitely is diving into this as well as seeing the different sides of a nurse. Um, if you are following Sam and if you are not, you should be at Hey Samantha at Hey Samantha, yes. two A's at the end. She goes into her lifestyle as a power lifter. And I want to talk about this journey because I knew you prior to all this. And so yes. I've gotten to like really dive into that with you. Can you talk a little bit about like your personal journey with that and, you know, what inspired all this? Yeah. So, well, my Instagram account is like a whole mixed bag of everything. It's like, I'm a nurse. Here's me lifting. Oops, I just peed my pants doing <laughs> it. Like, it's just amazing. like a lot it's going all on. all the amazing Oh, things. she's going on a rant again about someone. Like, yeah. there she goes. Yep. Um, oh, she's taking a selfie of her back muscles. <laughs> Why is this happening? Like, it's just a whole mess. It's fabulous. Um, it's but fabulous. that's, my, that's yeah. my account. That's how I roll. I, um, you know, the weird thing about my account is that I feel like it's not as, like, streamlined or as pretty as some of these people that are out there trying to like you know promote themselves and brand right. themselves but like mine <laughs> yeah dude your account everyone's always like Tori's so put together I'm no, like no, I no, know no, it's a hot fucking mess I am not and, and I'm I not love gonna that be. about you I love that. Well, <laughs> I'm not gonna be my account I'm gonna throw up a professional picture <laughs> right after my butt selfie and that's what you're gonna get so sorry. Not I love sorry. it. But that's real. But um, yeah. But I knew you before so, this. So let's yeah. talk about before. So, let's go to where, before you started powerlifting, how did before you Before I started powerlifting, I, well, let's just like, like yeah. back to let's what? Let's go there. Junior high. I don't even know. Before junior high, sixth grade. Like I grew up in Southern California. Um, I feel like it's a hard place to grow up as a, yeah. as a youth. Young girl. Where it's like. It's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Very much. Um. Especially in Orange County. Yeah. I think you guys, uh, I grew up in LA area. You guys have a lot of very much keeping up with the Joneses. Yes. So growing up in Orange County, it's very much like in sixth grade. So, and butts weren't cool when no. I was in sixth grade. Everyone was like Chris, skinny. You had to be Christina Aguilera mm-hmm. and have Had your low-rise like jeans yeah. and be a size zero and have no butt and be like the tiniest, skinniest little thing. And I was like working the JLo thing when JLo wasn't a thing yet yeah. or like was but it wasn't like now it's like Thick. people are going in and like getting butt injections mm-hmm. and it's like all right well in 96 that was not appreciated no, it's not appreciated not. in 1996 so um yeah I feel like that was like the start of just developing um I've kind of gone on my account and like really and did like an interview and really just opened up about my history with like an eating disorder and that for sure probably started around sixth grade seventh grade because that's the time that like I wasn't like an overweight child I played sports I played soccer I had like a little six pack in fifth grade or fourth grade like yeah I was like getting it but then it's like all right what happens when you're like a junior high girl and your hormones start to change and you're like getting a little thick but it's like you usually kind of like shed that when you get older but it's like for me mentally that like messed with me and then I remember like sixth grade people would like make fun of me for having like a big butt because again like I said wasn't wasn't cool back then um and that like I don't know whatever to my brain and then I feel like there was just so much emphasis on like having to look a certain way right and then it's like you're in sixth grade. You don't have like healthy coping mechanisms at all. Like my parents were divorced too. And that was always like, you know, that's never 
good for a child's development and everything. I have awesome parents. I had a great childhood, so I can't sit there and, like, give this, like, woe is me backstory. Like, I was very blessed to have, like, supportive people in my life. But still, um, it was kind of just the perfect storm of developing that. And I feel like, too... Even though it's 2020, we still look at eating disorders and what do you think? You think clinically, especially even as a nurse. Even when I teach in peds, we're teaching about anorexia, bulimia, and that's kind of it. And we're teaching that those are the only two ones. And it's like, it's not. It's a whole long, big world of like disordered eating. And it's a full, big spectrum that um, I think now is just starting to be like learned more about. But Also mental health. And mental health in general, I think is finally starting to like be on the horizon of like hey, it matters, it's important, and it's like we have not been paying enough attention to it. But I think that kind of just started like a lot of unhealthy relationships with food, a lot of disordered eating, whether, and it kind of went in waves. So it's like you start to like put on weight and then you're like freaking out because you put on weight. So then you're doing all these like really disordered things to lose it. So whether it's like being super restrictive and eating like one piece of string cheese a day Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing to like, crash and lose weight but that's like obviously not sustainable especially like as a teenage girl and then swinging to the way opposite side of just like binge eating and using that as like an emotional crutch and everything and then that's like causing you to like pack on all the weight again and then it's like now you're fluctuating up and down and up and down and you're destroying your body you're destroying your metabolism you're destroying your mental health in the process and then that's like kind of the starts this cycle of like depression and it's like that feeds the depression the depression feeds the eating disorder and it's all kind of just like working together to just get you worse and worse and worse so you and I we work together bedside we were night Mm -hmm. shift nurses Uh, I've seen the full spectrum of you and what I think I love is that you're very open about your struggle through this and your weight loss was there a turning point like what was your so there's been like so many so I would say like in high school I was like on the overweight side but again going through all that disordered eating but it wasn't like anything super extreme yeah graduating high school and then all of a sudden having that like college freedom was like gained a lot of weight but then caused a lot of depression which caused more weight gain or whatever and then I was like turning 21 and it's like you want to go out to bars and have fun and like be 21 and it's like you don't want to do that like super overweight or anything so then I like crashed dieted unhard like super restrictive like purging the whole like bulimia side like anything like oh I felt like I ate too much today like I can't Mm -hmm. eat that much and it was like crashed and lost like 80 to 100 pounds when I was 21 and then I was like hey girl like (laughs) feeling all great at 21 then I moved out of state for college right that sucked being away from family being away from friends all that it all came back gained it all back then I came back home to California and did nursing school in California. Um, so all the weight that I had lost when I was 21 and was feeling so great, like gained it all back while I was in nursing school. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like in nursing school and I'm like, I'm a healthcare provider. I'm like learning how to be a healthcare provider. I know now like even just the science behind this is not healthy. This isn't the life I want to live in. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to graduate and like be a nurse and like be overweight. Mm-hmm. So my like last year of nursing school, I like went super hardcore again but again every single time that I did it it was disordered it wasn't in a healthy or sustainable way in any way shape or form so last year of nursing school like lost all this weight graduated got my first job working night shift Mm -hmm. boom 
all back again because again it was never in a healthy way so it's never going to be sustainable and then working and then that's like I met you after I think you started like a year after me yeah so when about the time I met you is when I had already like gained most of it back and then I think throughout working night shift um just like more and more and the stress and the overtime and all that and then my boyfriend and I at the time this was like what back in like 2014 or something we broke up briefly like we ended up getting back together but we took a break and during that time it's like oh whenever you take a break from something mm-hmm. you're like oh, I'm gonna like revenge Get, body. yeah revenge so, great. Body. so I started CrossFit yeah. and did all these things and like lost it all again but again it was like never a healthy way or sustainable and then I went back to grad school at that time and then grad school working overtime doing lot. school yeah, the stress and the fact that I had never really addressed the mental health side of things in any way shape or form of course what happens again now I'm like peaking and like hitting my highest weight ever and I'm just like what the fuck yeah. is happening like how how am I like done this so many times and cycled through this so many times and then finally like 2017 my sister was like getting married later that year I was her maid of honor and I'm like oh my god the videos, the mm-hmm. picture, like, I can't. Yeah. Like, I didn't even want to, like, do things. I was like, I don't even want to, like, and I'm an outgoing person. You are. I want to go out. I want to do things with yeah. my friends. Like, I love being around people, going out. I'm always down. Hey, you want to go here? Yep. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Like, that's my jam. But I was like, I didn't even want to, like, leave the house. I was just, like, so uncomfortable in my own body and miserable. So the idea of having to be in my sister's wedding was, like... Well, and I'll tell you, too, oh, something God. that I... I was with you during a lot of this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a friend. And I never picked up on that side of you. Like, it's kind of weird to me. Because I was still outgoing. Yeah, you like, were... I was a funny fat girl. Oh, yeah, totally. Sure. 100%. And fun you and outgoing. But that... I, like... Oh my god, the idea of even just like being in a picture or having like go places just like felt so uncomfortable. Which is weird and like I look back on it and it's like hard as a friend being like holy shit you were going through so much of this and I didn't know, which I think is that's why the thing about mental health is like yes, people mask it yes. so well. Right. And that's something that and I like really... I've been on and off antidepressants over the last decade too and right. like I don't think anyone ever no one knew knows that, that either. Right. And I do think people don't talk I, about it. I love that you're talking about it and you know one of our episodes we talk about uh, my brother and his, his journey, and we'll go into that a little bit later. But I think it's really amazing that you, as a provider, as a healthcare provider, nurse, someone who is, is openly talking about this, because I feel like the thing is that, that we miss the mark is this happens to providers too. Yeah, we are people. We're humans. We're people. We're human. <laughs> and this image of that we have to be perfect, and that we have to be a certain way, and that we have to have this, you know, this perfect health and wellness and all these things like we still go through those yeah. things it's very real and especially nowadays because i feel like the pressure on healthcare providers is more than it's ever been yeah and we just don't talk about it we too. don't it's like and we put it off with humor yeah exactly i mean especially when you're so funny yes exactly um so the result of all of this which i think is amazing is you got really heavily into powerlifting and you really found a community and you started this workout program yeah, so I think finding powerlifting was because again, like I've lost a lot. Losing the weight isn't hard. A lot. I'm not amazing. saying it's easy. Right. It's not easy to just. And walk to be honest, and lose okay, weight. to be, I'm putting this out there too. This is not about weight. Exactly. This is about mental health. Mental health for and sure. getting to a place of healthiness, like happiness with yourself. Yeah, because again, even throughout this like weight loss thing, like in 2017 is when I like lost most of it. In 2000. 18 to 2000 like fall of 2018 
I was like at my lowest weight and I was like looking super lean. I even looked back at the videos and that's when I first got into like powerlifting and stuff. (laughs) And then since I started powerlifting, I've gained about 15 pounds, Mm -hmm. but I'm like totally okay with that because it's not like a weight thing and I don't care what my body really looks like. Yeah. It's less Um, about that. It's more about how you feel. Yeah. It's more the mental health thing. And I think like the only reason I've been able to like keep it off finally for the first time where it's been about like three years yeah. is because one therapy if you don't have a therapist like please just get one yeah. just one. get one just have a just therapist, like, get a therapist. everyone needs a therapist <laughs> yeah. um and just severely like addressing the mental health side of things and then finding something that I'm actually like passionate and like active with so yeah. I love powerlifting because of how it makes me feel mm-hmm. and I genuinely enjoy do it I don't feel like God, I have to go work out like it's some punishment or chore, like I hate it or like, oh God, or like I have to work out because I ate this. Like that's not why I work out. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it so that I can eat bad food. I'm not doing it as like a crutch or I'm not doing it to lose weight. I'm not doing it because I want my body to look a certain way. I'm doing it because I love it. It's fun. I love the community. I love the people and being strong is like super rad. I think that's a big part of it is finding the thing that you, regardless of what it yeah, is. Yeah, it doesn't have to be powerlifting. Right. There's so many different things that people are into and I encourage right. people to like whatever is your thing. Especially outside of the hospital. Side. Find it. Yes. Um, find your community. Right. The yeah. powerlifting community is cool. I actually like the strongman stuff. I Maybe 2021, I'll try that my hand at that because it looks that. super cool. But find your thing yeah. um, and surround yourself by, like, good people because yeah. it is – it's a mental health thing. Um, like, you can lose weight doing whatever you want. You can do keto. It'll work. Yeah, you you can, can do Weight Watchers. It's going to work. You can do Mediterranean. You can do Atkins. You can do low-carb. You can do if it fits your macros. You can count your calories. You can do all these things. Um None of that freaking matters how you did it because yeah. you're going to gain it all back if you don't how fix mental, the mental side. The mental side of it. So you also, um, you have your Instagram and then you, you also started a blog and you have your yeah. workout. Yeah. So that's and like so. new and exciting. And um, it's funny because I launched it on January 1st, but January is like an insane month for me because my birthday's in January yeah. and I take birthday month a little seriously <laughs> um, on top of like teaching and the new semester starting in January and kind of taking on more of a active role in teaching. Um, I'm working a lot more teaching than I ever have before, like full time now and still doing my nursing job, still doing powerlifting. So it's been kind of a tough time to launch, especially, um, stuff with my family. We suffered like a pretty traumatic loss. Um, so January's, a rough month but I'm still like really trying to full-fledged press on with um, my blog and my lifting program and that was designed by the owner of the gym I go to because I'm not trying to be some fake finsta account as I call it and be like buy my booty blast program like <laughs> I am not a coach I'm not a powerlifting coach I like to powerlift um, I want to inspire women to lift because I think a lot of women are afraid of lifting they're afraid of the barbell they're afraid of yeah not doing machines or classes or what have you and it is a little intimidating but we belong there just as much as the boys yeah um we do we can be strong i'm stronger than a lot of boys which is uh pretty yes, cool you but, and Jacob, they go at it but love it. um with your power lifting yeah shoes. and i get asked that like the most i was like how'd you get started or like yeah. i want to do it and i'm like well 
Let's make a program for people. I love this. And so the program launch, it's available on my website. My website's samanthaexplainsit.com is my website blog. And um, mm-hmm. YouTube channel starting with that future podcast, which is very much right. like health and fitness related, is um, in the works. I have all these exciting things that I'm currently working on. And I'm really just trying to put the time and energy into them mm-hmm. before I launch them so that I kind of do it right. I don't want to put my name on something that's not like well done that I can stand behind. But my lifting program is awesome. If you're interested in lifting, yeah, check it out. You can reach out to me personally if you have any specific questions. But I would love to see more women lifting in 2020. Yeah, me too. I feel like, okay, so something, I mean, I had a, I did, uh, dabbled in this a little bit in a different way. I did my bikini contest. Yes. I grew up, it, but I also grew up around uh, my brother who kind of taught me the basics of it. Did you grow up with Well, someone? yeah, my brother, like, played college football. Yeah. He so has, he like, an awesome home gym that, like, makes me so jealous. Yeah. Um, so you had some base, but again, I just like, that was kind of like for guys Yeah, but in my I agree. world. Like I never really yeah. realized that like, I didn't know powerlifting existed even. Right. Like I didn't know that there was like, oh cool. I can squat bench and deadlift yeah. and not kill myself to death with cardio and still get muscles and look bomb. This is awesome. <laughs> life hack. Yes. Life Seriously, hack. Life Do hack. powerlifting. <laughs> Do powerlifting. Um, so another piece of you, you, there's so many dynamic pieces know, to you I'm right a now. Crazy person. You have mentioned a couple times that you are now um, teaching. Yeah. Let's dive into that a little bit because I think that's a huge aspect of. I don't talk about it a lot. Yeah. One because I'm obviously like this personality, and um, you know, I just, it's like a fine line between like even talking about work as like a blogging. flight nurse yeah. and stuff. Yeah. There's so much dynamics of like your personal life and your professional life and not wanting to like jeopardize your work or career by like putting yourself out there too much. Um, we live in a weird day and age though. But also being open with it. Yeah. Like what are different so, aspects of your life? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I've been teaching nursing school. I've taught for two different schools in Southern California and I started teaching their pediatric clinicals back in 2016. So I've taught in clinicals for three years now and then Last semester, I decided to try my hand at teaching theory or lecture, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, it was, I really enjoyed it. I had a really great group of students. They were actually excited to learn. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like the environment in the classroom was fun because they wanted to be there. And I'm like super passionate about teaching if you care. Right. Um, if you're like not showing interest, thing. I don't then I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about your future if you don't care about your future. Right. But if you're excited to be there and you want to learn, then I get super excited. And I can talk for 3,000 years right. um, about all these different, like I teach pediatrics. So um, I tried it out. I really liked it. And I decided to go full-time. So now starting tomorrow, I am teaching full-time. So I'll exciting. be teaching several lectures a week on top of doing my like transport nursing. So you and I went to nursing school seven to nine years ago, whatever. Yeah. However long ago. We're not, we're not doing the forever, math anymore. Forever. Um, how is it different? Is there anything like you've seen that is different than when you and I were there? <sighs> like, is so there any... different already. Yeah, um, I know. I don't know, you guys. Stop being whiny babies. Yes, that's a big thing. Just I will stop. say yes, 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 yes. You I guys, do. I would say that, and this is kind of where I think, I hope this message comes across. And I don't agree with like the whole like nurses eat their young or yes. bullying thing. Like, like we balance. should foster a really good learning environment. Mm-hmm. We should be welcoming and everything. But there is like a fine line between like earning your keep. Earn your stripes. And not. And yes. um, again, I've been a preceptor. 
right for many years and I've taught nursing school for many years and I I would encourage my students like get in there learn ask questions be motivated all of that be professional treat you with respect yeah. and not less than because you're a new nurse or you're a student. And there are some really mean nurses out there yeah. that are not kind yeah. to students, that are mm-hmm. not kind to new grads. That exists. I'm not going to lie and say that it doesn't. And there's definitely some like lateral violence, workplace bullying stuff that a thousand percent exists. Right. But you need to be able to differentiate that between someone who's just like passionate, passionate about their about patient the and trying to push you to learn. Because I had some really tough preceptors when I was a new grad. I agree. And they were hard on me, but it made me a good nurse. Right, me too. So kind of finding that. And then I I mean, I do get sometimes some students that are like very, I wouldn't say like needy, but like mm-hmm. they want me to hold their hand and walk them through everything. And I'm like, Think on your no own. one is holding my hand in the back of a helicopter when my patient's coding. Yeah, and that's a very so, real thing. come on. If you're going to jump into the healthcare <laughs> world. The occasion. You do you have to have You can't expect someone spine. to walk you through everything in life. Yeah. You've got to... you got to have a little you bit. got to have that. a little oomph on your own. Yeah, and I think tapping into that a little bit, which I think is something that I feel like I really try and portray in my little corner, and I think you do too, where it's like, all right, you guys, like, this is... I hope you feel supported, but all this at the same time, I really everyone think it's deserves like, to be supported. But you gotta, you gotta spread your little that. wings and fly, right. baby bird. What do you? If you had some tips for someone who's in clinical right now or going through nursing school, what's some like from a professor's standpoint? One, don't be afraid to look stupid, because a lot of people won't ask questions because they don't want to come off as stupid. If we expected you to know everything, you wouldn't be in nursing school. Mm-hmm. You'd already be a nurse. Yeah. So I've been a nurse for nine years and I ask questions because I don't know everything mm-hmm. and I still have a lot to learn. So don't be afraid of looking stupid. Same. Ask questions. Okay. Be motivated. If you don't want to be there, then get out of nursing school. Why are you even there? Like you're adults. No one made you come to this program and do nursing school. <laughs> like, so if you don't want to be there and you're not motivated yeah. and you don't show it, again, you're only going to get what you give out of it. So if you're there and mm-hmm. you're not like giving it your all i think if you're in it for the wrong reasons it's gonna be very evident yes it's very and obvious. there are there's people that are like oh i'm about to get paid i'm like guess what you are not well because I, think- I am very poor and i've been a nurse for nine years so i don't know where all <laughs> this, this magical like, this nurse money yeah. is coming from because i debt. ain't got it We're all in debt. um yay for grad school and grad school debt yeah. and all those things as well botox ain't cheap no, it's Botox is not cheap. No, yeah, sorry, help. No, I I would agree with you, and I think is there any pet peeves you have as a per, as a professor that you may have like some tips to avoid maybe going through or like some hot spots for some students. I don't like when people want to like argue every little thing. I get it. NCLEX questions are stupid. Mm-hmm. Like. They are. Guess it's what? Very dated. Your answer is right, but it's not most right. So let's not argue about why your question yeah. is wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, some of my questions, it's like all four answers are correct. But it's not the most correct. But that's the nature of nursing. Because we're learning to prioritize. We're learning to critically think. It's not a matter of simply like B is the only answer. It's like, no, they're all right answers. But like one is the most correct or one takes priority. Mm-hmm. And so... That's where you're learning to critically think. Um, and some people just want to split hairs over like every little thing. And it's like, give yeah, me a rest. Yeah, don't focus on that. Just you got to get big stop. picture. You got to look big, big picture. picture. And you got to be open to like yeah. understanding the rationale of like why your answer maybe wasn't right. Yeah. 
Also, I think a big thing that I really emphasize a lot is get used to change. Yes. Get used to being uncomfortable. Get used to things changing all the time. And I think that's something we have a hard time doing that as nurses. Here's the thing is like we're like evidence-based practice and we push it a lot. We find out five years later that... What we did five years ago wasn't right. Wasn't actually right. And now we have new evidence. So even though we were pushing that as best practice five years ago, we have even a better practice. Mm -hmm. And now we got to be open to adapt to that. And it is hard, I will say, as a provider, when you get used to something and that's what you've been doing for years. And then all of a sudden, you know, someone comes in. Yeah, it is. But it's it's been the best thing for my life. Yes. I have changed so much in the last two years. I think that's the biggest amazing part of what we're doing right now in our world of healthcare is there is so many opportunities for different things. Thank God. Because yeah. if we if you had to be stuck in one spot, that burnout, that amount of I don't I don't oh. think it would work for someone like me. No. I love the opportunities. And getting uncomfortable. Like getting uncomfortable is the best thing that ever happened to me. I think even just for your own like personal life, like even just like putting myself out. Remember like you had your Instagram for like a while before I started mine. Yeah. And you were like, you should start one. And I was like, yes. I don't want to be in the public eye. Yeah. Like I don't want that. You were really resistant for a while, but I, I, I definitely it. was like. Yeah. And I was like this. And it is uncomfortable. And even now with starting my website and starting my blog and wanting to start my podcast and doing all these things, I'm telling you like that I'm doing I'm like it's so weird to consider yourself yeah as your own like kind of business entity and mm-hmm. like having to shift your thinking it's like so uncomfortable I'm like I'm promoting myself that's weird. weird it is weird. it's weird and it's uncomfortable but I'm like it's also like you don't know what you're doing but you're just doing it and but it's like what do you have to lose and it's like right. what's so bad about being uncomfortable like it, it does feel weird <laughs> so it's like okay starting transport job and having to relearn how to be a nurse <sighs> Like, I was basically starting over as a new grad eight years into my career, and I'm a new grad again. So that's uncomfortable. So you and I, I mean, I just started critical care flow pool, and yeah. here I am. I'm having the same thing. I'm like, here I am, CVACU, PICU, oncology, and I'm having to relearn. It's scary. Yeah, but it's, it's really like, scary. I don't know. Be un- be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, I think it makes you that's better. where you grow as a person. Yes. Complacency is like my worst nightmare. Yeah. I think for people, what, what, what used to drive me nuts, and I saw it a little bit in our home unit, was people would say things like they're unhappy, and I'm like, well, then do something about yes. it. Yes. That, and that, that is my pet peeve. And like, Mine too. So my many people like complain about how they don't like X, where y, they're at, X, Y, Z. They don't yes. like... So even when I like would complain about things, it was like, okay, well, I'm on the committee. I'm writing a new policy. I'm doing the things. So it's like, people are like, you complain a lot. I'm like, well, I earned the right to complain <laughs> because I'm out here trying to make changes and make a difference. Yeah, and it's first, If yeah. you're not yeah. out there, it's like the same people who want to complain about politics and you didn't vote. Right. Go shut up. <laughs> Just you didn't put even it away. vote. Put it away. So you don't get an opinion. Yeah. Right. Um, people that want to sit there and complain, but they're not out there actually like trying to lead change or make change or they're complaining, but then it's like, okay, well then change specialties yes go work at a different hospital yeah go do something different yeah. if don't you're just so sit there and be miserable whatever it is pay or yeah. policies then or go somewhere else go somewhere else and do something different totally and i think it gives you i will say and that it's was toxic it like brings your whole <gasps> world down and it brings everyone else around you down yes and like I, think- I feel like you give out the energy that you give and i for sure used to have like a negative energy around me yeah I wasn't happy I will validate that 100% yeah I I was not happy in a lot of ways with professionally your change has been phenomenal um I was not happy and I was vocal about it yeah to my detriment a little bit but at the same time 
I was able to sit there and then self-reflect. And I think that's the good thing about even just like the weight loss and the mental health stuff that I had going on and just working on me as a person was to sit there and recognize you're unhappy. You have a negative energy. You're putting out negative energy. And so in return, you're surrounding yourself in this Mm -hmm. negative space. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no more. And I removed myself from that environment. I removed, I changed jobs. I changed personal life, sold my house. I did all these like million, trillion different things. But I was so proud of you. I found like powerlifting. I did all these things because I'm like, don't be the person that complains and is negative and is miserable, but then just sits there and doesn't do anything about it. Right. And I had a lot of people be like, whoa, Sam, chill. You are making so many changes at once. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't like the person that I was. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm changing jobs. I'm changing careers. I'm making all these personal life changes and moving and like all of a sudden becoming this like crazy gym person who power lifts six times a week and all that. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm becoming like a better person in this right. process. So yeah, it is kind of like, I think most people are like, whoa, you shouldn't make so many changes at once. And I'm like, but why shouldn't you right. if you're a miserable person? Also life is short. And I yeah. think we've, we've, it is very short. We've I'm been like, very surrounded by that this year. I know. So this year has been kind of crazy. I mean, yeah. We've both had a couple crazy years, and I think that's And we've just both something... had personal loss in our family yeah. in the last year, and it's, yeah. like, we're living on borrowed time. Yeah. I mean, like, time so doesn't owe do us anything. That's right. It is know, too for... short. I could yep. get in a car accident on the way home. Yeah. I swear to God, I hope that does not happen. <laughs> Let's use a knock on wood real quick. <laughs> but, like, yeah. I yeah. said, I'm a terrible Duh. driver, but, like, life is not promised. You don't know when the last time you're going to say goodbye to someone is, and it's, like... So I wasted what my life being miserable because I was afraid to take a chance or I just didn't want to push myself outside of my comfort zone because, oh, well, this is what I've been doing. It's like, no, yeah, life is too short to not go after the things you want, to not make the changes that you need to make in your life. I will tell you too, you guys, just so you know as well, like for me starting this podcast has, I feel like my heart is in my throat every day. I'm so nervous about this, but I I know this is needed. Someone out here is going to be listening to this podcast right now and needs to hear everything that Sam is saying. And to me, and if that's you, hit me up because I'm super nice. I'll (laughs) chat with you. I answer my DMs. You you do very much. You're very, you're very active over there. It's amazing. But I do think it's a little bit of a message of like, regardless of where you are in your career, if it's nursing, if it's health care, wherever you are, just like take action and do the things that you want to set out to do. Because life, as you said, is very short. It's amazing. Yeah. So I know we're going to get this question a lot because we have some people that love us. Um, And I I think us, and I don't mean to say that, they love us, but we do have a really fun dynamic. I love us us too. And so last year we launched our collab company, Nurses AF Learning at Nurses Aligning Futures. Um, Come on. That's like the best name. I know it is. We're so funny. We did a good job on that one. But um, so we launched products. We launched an ebook. Where this all stemmed from was when I started my Instagram, I was flooded. I don't know. One, in the NICU specific um, area of nurses asking about that, but also a lot from future providers or nurses just really seeking um, People wanting to go to nursing school or people in nursing school Mm -hmm. wanting new grad advice. Advice. And so I, I approached Sam and I, she was, you were literally the first person I thought of. And I was like, can we come up with something to help these future providers who are interested in this or need some advice or some real life nursing, you know? So, and I didn't want to do it by myself because I think 
you really do a disservice when it's when you're giving advice and it's just you in that kind of space. That's why podcasts are great though because here you are getting to share ideas and bounce things off of each other and really like yes I think tell a story with more than one point of view different perspectives like your perspectives on things are very different sometimes than I mean we're sugar I'm sugar you're we get along so well but there's things that we disagree on very strongly very strongly and that's fine too but then we like make it work yeah and so we created this ebook each other's differences but I think that's also something that I'm very passionate about is respecting people's opinions regardless of if you yeah. agree with like you can be not. like Sam I don't agree with you at all. Right. But right. So <laughs> we came up with this ebook um it's a, essentially kind of more it's more geared towards future nurse students or student nurse um, and then we came up with some sort of like templates for resumes, resources cover letters. for like new nurses yes. and stuff, brain sheets, brain downloads, sheets. Yes. like a 12 hour shift kind of checklist of like reminders mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Cause it's hard sometimes remembering There's all the little things. There's a lot things. of things. And so we came up with this and we sort of, uh, last year got a little crazy. I had a family loss and then, um, Sam's life kind of picked up in a different way with your social. And so we kind of had to take a little bit of a pump on the break. Well, it's hard because it's like you work as a nurse. Yeah. You are in school and you're trying to build your empire. Right. I work full time. I work part time. I compete in powerlifting. My next meet's in four weeks, you guys. Oh, my gosh. And then I'm trying to build my little empire. And then we also want to collaborate because we genuinely love working together and providing resources for you guys. But... Oh, life does not slow down. No, it doesn't. There's never like a day. And being off back in school for me has thrown me for yes. a big loop. But I, uh, to answer a lot of your questions of what are we doing and when are we doing anything, I think we have more coming. Yes, for sure. We're and we're great, we're great partners. Yeah, as business, I think we do actually very well together. And there's a lot of stuff we want to do, but it's prioritizing and I think right now like this is your baby yeah getting this started and I'm so proud of you you. and like me just finally launching my blog and YouTube channel and coming out with my own podcast is like kind of my baby right now yeah um so it's like you have to Gotta, we're Nick University. You gotta feed your babies. Yeah, <laughs> feed the babies. babies. The baby. They need to eat. Yeah, I very think... on on demand feeding schedule. Demand. You gotta give it what they need. But yeah. as these things kind of grow up a little bit, cube based. Yeah, cube based feeding. Q-based feeds. I feel like we will come up. We we're actually thinking about maybe revamping a little bit in mm-hmm. the current products that we have. That's a thought process. So that may be coming out later this year. You guys keep out, keep an eye out. We do have a call. We have a partnered uh, Instagram at uh, nurses.af. Yes. <laughs> Which we have not been that active on. But we haven't. But we're, we keep we're an keep, eye on it. Keep an eye on it. We're revisiting we it. Do. Like we do want to rebrand a little bit and bring you guys some new resources yeah. later this year. And, so it's coming. Um, it will be coming. Things will be happening. We're planning it's ahead. just definitely. I feel like we both have to be in a position of having like our own personal success kind of under law yeah. before we can like, again, it's like be good to yourself before you can be good to others. Right. I think it would be stretching. We were very much in the moment and super went gung ho on that. Yeah. And I think we just had to take a minute and which is great. And now I think we're going to be even better when we come out with some other products. I think we have some good ideas for you guys. So, and we both grown a lot. Yeah. In this realm. Yeah, I would agree. This, World. Um, is there anything, I don't know, is there anything March, April, May that's coming out? This will be, this podcast is going to be launching yeah, yeah. then. So, anything? um, 
Let's see. Just for people to look out for. Well, in February, I will have just finished my, like, powerlifting meet. So, I'm not doing – I'm supposed to qualify for nationals at that one. Um, God willing. Knee Ooh. willing. And then I'm not going to be competing again until November. But I'm still going to be training because yeah. in November, I'm going to ball the fuck out. Like, 400-pound yeah. deadlift. You heard it here. It's happening. Well, I will be out on – Jacob will be it the one happening. trolling you for that. He's going to troll you so oh, hard. 400-pound deadlift will be happening, my 300-pound squat. So I will be training very hard between February and November for nationals. But because I don't have, like, a competition, like, pressing, I'm really going to be focused on fostering this. So I have my first workout program, which is the Intro to Lifting. Mm-hmm. It's a strength training program. It's very much weight-based about kind of the basics of getting into lifting. Um, My plan B is to develop an at-home workout program where you can do with no gym equipment, really, essentially. For people, I know that we're busy, and I want to be able to do things that nurses can do between night shifts when maybe you don't have time to make it to the gym and get a full workout in. But this is something that you could do every day from home to be successful and still, like, be reaching towards your goals. And I think um, there's some interest in that program. Yeah. So I want to get that going. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that'll kind of, I'm going to start vlogging more YouTube wise and IGTV and stuff. Um, I just have not, I've literally not had the time. I'm like, I have all these great ideas. And then I'm like, how? I work so much. And then I spend two, honestly, two to three hours a day in the gym. It's It's time, but you know, and you'll make it, we make it way. But I think that finally I'm at a place in my career where things are shifting, where I'm getting off night shift come March, April. That's going to be life-changing for me. I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah, girl. Um, I'm going to be doing swing shift 1 p.m. to 1 a.m., mm-hmm. but only twice a week. So the fact that I'm not going to be sleeping and exhausted all the time, it's going to be life-changing. So I feel like I'm about to just be in this really great position where I can pursue um, the Samantha Explains It dot com uh, situation a lot more so I'm gonna do a lot more like YouTube blogging start up my YouTube channel which is very much gonna be like in the health and fitness realm gonna have the second workout program launched and see how all that goes and then yeah um mm-hmm. by then my podcast stuff should be up and running so we're gonna be doing another reverse one where we're gonna flip the script um, I'm gonna be bringing you on because Samantha explains <laughs> we'll it podcast okay pot yeah um, let's do it but yeah those are the things that are in the works for me and I'm kind of excited to like pursue that and um, as much as I love nursing and I'm like you are the queen of um, nurse bloggers like yeah, I, I give you that nurse. crown um, I don't know I, I just love the lifestyle I love I'm being fascinated. a nurse but I've definitely found my passion lies more in like the lifting and mm-hmm. health community and even just like mental health advocacy for eating disorder recovery and things like that so that. Um, I'm excited to just kind of pursue it's a good space to be that in. that worlds and entrepreneur opportunities in yeah. that area well and I think a lot of that is I mean I think that's a great space to get into and I think it's really important so and especially you know I, and think, I think it's, it's kind really of cool to play space. both sides of like I'm a nurse yeah. and then this is my entire life and journey outside of it. I love it. I love it. I think that I, first of all, I love social media, so there's not me, but I think it's so cool that we can have these conversations and hopefully help someone along the way and give resources. Speaking of which, before we leave, yes. Do you have like a Netflix, a podcast, something that you love to give our audience as a resource? As a resource for anything, whatever you want, whatever life, general uh, nursing, uh, Powerlifting, whatever you like. So, um, we do for you. 
Netflix, there's this one show. Is it called like Diagnosed or something? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Guys, it's just a cool Netflix series. It's uh, like is that the one where rare medical disorders? <laughs> yes, and she and blasts she, it for like kind of world. does a New York Post article about it, yes. and then people from all over the world chime in with like, and they kind of help solve what these undiagnosed rare medical mysteries are. Metabolic As like a medical nerd, yeah. I think that's a super cool Netflix series. Yeah. I don't really hear people talking about it. My sister in law told me about it. She was like, I started watching this while I was breastfeeding yeah. at three in the morning and thought of you, and so I watched it. and I was like, this is super cool. That is a really good. One. Um, Honestly, I'm a big podcast gal. Mm-hmm. I what podcast even... are you listening to right now? So okay, I'm like a five year old boy, no twelve year old boy. I am like I'm Professor Manicero. I am powerlifter extraordinaire. I'm a nurse. I'm all professional. But my favorite, and you're the one who turned me on to them. I love the Basement Yard podcast. Oh my god, they're so, so funny! Much because they're talking about poops and hearts, yes, and I'm like, funny. God, I'm so here for Aren't this. They amazing? Like, I love them. I think they're funny. Shout out! They're just talking you. about whatever, and they're like a little bit Italian, like me. And they're like kind of sa- they're, they're super sassy, but funny. I just that's like lighthearted, and it's like everything I think about things. And I'm the type of person where I get in trouble because I say there people are like, Sam, you're supposed to think that, not say it. And I'm like, too late, <laughs> it said it. Out. I get myself in trouble all the time. So I love that podcast because it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I like murder. Oh yeah. So my favorite murder is a great podcast. Oh, the two girls. What's yes. their uh, yes, they're amazing. They're you, funny. You turned me on to them, yes, actually. I did. Um my friend turned me on to that. So you turned me on to the How I Built This podcast. Yes. I like that one. With the person's um, name Rav. I just the host. I just love I'm that podcast. Super interested in how people got their start. Yes, and they're like how. Like I love Shark Tank. That's oh like my, one of my favorite shows. Still, that's kind of my um, whole intention with this is because I love I love that too. But I like the healthcare spin. Yeah. So I love but just that getting into space. people's like behind their like why and then how'd you do it? Like, how'd you build this empire? Let's get micro. Um, yes. Yeah. So those are like, but how I built this. Yeah. Good one. It's definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for coming on today. Dude, thank you for having me. We are overdue for lunch, so. Yeah, we don't get to. It's ironic because we work at the same hospital and we don't see each other like Now that I'll be on swing shift and I'll be there during the daylight hours, I'll get to run into you and I'll probably be dropping you off patients and giving you a report again. That's another aspect I will just finish here on is just loving the people you work with. Yes, it makes a huge difference. I love that. And I feel like. If you don't like the people you work with, go find a new job, honestly. Yeah, I agree. You're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. Yeah. And I have worked places that I do not like yeah. the people around you so no, like I love the people I work with so life, life is good life is good all right give yourself a shout out pimp it out where where can people find you Man, pimping ain't easy mm-hmm. um so at Instagram is my main platform hey Samantha there's two a's at the end of that mm-hmm. and then uh, my website blog Samantha explains it.com love that love it. lots of fun things coming your way this yes, year I'm excited 2020 you time go to girl shine. It's going to be your year. It's be our year. It already is. Congrats on this. Thanks. You're killing it. Having fun. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. And thank you, Sam, for coming in today. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much, you guys, for listening. I truly value your time and look forward to bringing you more selfie shows. In order to support the show, please head over to rate and review the show. Let me know what you think. I really want to hear from you. Please be sure to follow us on Insta at C-E-L-L-F-I-E podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can find all of our episodes on www.tipsfromtory.com. And be sure to check out those show notes below. Uh, There's a lot of information down there about our guests and sponsors 
And thank you so much for listening. Catch you guys next time.